over to his love, more over to his, um, to his will, to his way that he wants us to live, so on and so forth. So um, not playing games this morning. Not to say that we do play games, but we're going after it this morning. If you have your Bibles, please open up to Jeremiah chapter 2. Jeremiah chapter 2 is where we're going to be this morning. I do ask that you do, if you, if you have access to any Bible whatsoever, turn there because I want you to read it with me. Um, you know, this week I was able to witness a lot of, of growth in these kids. The theme was to thrive, you know, because so many Christians were just surviving. It's just a Sunday to Sunday or Wednesday to Wednesday experience, and there's never any growth. There's no, it's, 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 like, a, it's like a plant that only gets minimally watered. It just gets a little bit of water to where it doesn't die, but it's not full and full and full blossom and full bloom. And the message that we were just hammering into the kids all week long was that Jesus has more for you than just the basic Christian life where you just go to Sunday, you know, maybe two times a month and, and, and you hope for the best. That's just floating along and that's like, you know, driving your gas tank on, on, uh, on E, right? You know, you're not going to get anywhere very long and, it, and eventually you'll sputter out. Uh, but we were hammering into these kids, thrive, thrive, thrive. And I saw a lot of growth in them. And what I felt the Lord speaking to me in my spirit was something very clear. And, and if, if the shoe fits this morning, I'll ask you to wear it and wear it proudly and own it. Uh, so then we can repent of it. But I saw more growth in these teenagers this week than some adult Christians have in their whole life. I saw more growth in these teenage kids than some adult Christians have in their whole life. Because, you know, I I talked to a pastor one time who's been all over the Midwest, and he said every, every pocket of the United States has their spiritual stronghold. You know, up in the Northeast, he said it's, it's, it's witchcraft, it's, it's demonic strongholds in a, lot, in a lot of ways. And he said, he said here, because that's where he did a lot of his ministry, but he said here in the Midwest, you know what the stronghold is? Spiritual arrogance. Spiritual arrogance. A lot of Midwesterners, because we're in the Bible Belt, right? We hit this point where we said yes to Jesus, and we've, we've, we, we're a Christian. We call ourselves a Christian, but we stop growing. We stop growing. We just come to church to hear the same messages, to sing the same songs, to have the same experience, but we stop growing in our walk. We stop taking that next step with Jesus, that next step with Jesus, that next step with Jesus. We, we want to stay in the kiddie pool rather than jumping into the deep end. And we stay there because it's just enough. It's just enough to where our peers won't say anything, right? They say, oh, so-and-so's been to church, you know, that's good, I'm glad. You know, you know it, socially it keeps you in good standing with other Christians. But we don't ever grow into the person that God truly created us to be. God truly created us to be. And I want to challenge us as a church. I know that, you know, COVID-19 really shook the River Church, you know, in a lot of ways. But... I really, truly believe that this next season that we're going into can really be a season of growth. And I'm not just talking about numbers, because yes, everybody wants to see more people come to church, obviously, but everybody knows that people coming to church is a sign of a healthy church. What we should do is we should be looking inward to say, do we love God? Judgment begins at the house of God. Do we love God? Do we truly care about God? Do we truly seek God first? That's, our, that's what we should be asking ourselves this morning, is, is where are we at as a church? Enough from me, though. Let's, let's dig into what Jeremiah has to say here. Well, really, it's actually the Lord speaking through Jeremiah. Jeremiah chapter 2, verse 1. Um, we might have it on the PowerPoint. I'm not sure. 
uh, Jeremiah 2, 1. The word of the Lord came to me saying, Go and proclaim in the hearing of Jerusalem, thus says the Lord. I remember the devotion of your youth, your love as a bride, how you followed me in the wilderness in a land not sown. Israel was holy to the Lord, the first fruits of his harvest. All who ate of it incurred guilt. Disaster came upon them. Hear the word of the Lord, O Israel, O house of Jacob, and all the clans of the house of Israel. Thus says the Lord, What wrong did your fathers find in me that they went far from me? It went after worthlessness and became worthless. They did not say, where is the Lord who brought us up from the land of Egypt, who led us in the wilderness in a land of deserts and pits, in a land of drought and deep darkness, in a land that none passes through, where no man dwells? And I brought you into a, into a plentiful land to enjoy its fruits and its good things. But which you, when you came in, you defiled my land and made my heritage an abomination. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for your word. God, I thank you for the power that is in your word. God, I pray this morning that we would be convicted by the Holy Spirit, and God, that we would be drawn to repentance, Lord, that we'd be drawn to love you more and to place you first. It's in Jesus' name that I pray, amen. Amen. You know, this morning is the 4th of July, and... Today's the day that we celebrate America, right? We celebrate our independence. It's the day that we celebrate um, freedom, that we are an established country since July 4th, 1776. But this morning, I want to challenge you because we don't really love God. We love America. That's a very strong statement. It's a very strong statement. And I'm not talking about the government entity. I'm not talking about the legislative, executive, or judicial branches. I couldn't care less about those this morning. By America, I mean the culture that we live in. The day-to-day operations that we live in. You see, in America, what do we prize the most? Money. The almighty dollar, right? The almighty dollar. Fame. Everybody's looking for the next way to be TikTok famous to be Instagram famous, to be the YouTuber with millions, not millions, billions of subscribers, right? What else do we value in America? Power. It's all about getting ahead, getting ahead, climbing the corporate ladder, becoming the top dog, becoming the one, the prestigious one, the one with the most ambition, the one with the most accolades, the one with the most titles, Right? What else do we value in America? If we're honest with ourselves, just call it straight, we value sex. And not just sex, but sex with anyone, however, whenever, wherever. Pornography, right? All over the place. Right? It's in the movies, it's in the, um, you know, photo shoots, magazines, the whole nine yards, right? Right? Man, I could drop a pen in here. That's what we value as Americans, right? That's what America values. What else do we value? Convenience. I want it now. Not two-day shipping, next-day shipping. I want it now, right? We like convenience. We like it quick. We like it easy. We're a microwave generation. 
We like it quick, 30 seconds, just like that, right? What else do we love? Media. We love our social media, television, Netflix. There's a Christian artist that once had a lyric that said, baby, how are you going to complete your life checklist spending every night watching Netflix? We love our media. We love the things of this world. Scripture tells us, do not love the world or the things of this world. It's almost like God knows what he's talking about. It's almost like God knows what he's talking about. Once again, I'm not attacking our nation. I love this country. I love living here. And I've talked to many foreigners who would not kill somebody because they're Christians, but would do almost anything else to get here. I know immigrants from Mexico that have been through trial by fire to get here. I understand this is a great country. I love living here. But it's almost as if our greatness is our greatest weakness. The fact that we have everything that we could ever want at our fingertips has turned into rampant sin. Has turned into where at the touch of a fingertips we can get anything that we want, however we want, whenever we want it, just like that. And what it's done is that we know, we know the world is the world. The world has always been the world. The world will always be the world, right? The, the, the world will always live in sin. That's how the world operates, right? But what we've done is we've allowed that spirit. We've allowed that ideology. We've allowed that consumeristic, materialistic, uh, sinful culture to infiltrate the church. And really, at the end of the day, there is nothing that separates us from them, Right? At the end of the day, how we live our lives, in some ways, does not distinguish ourselves from others. But God called us to be holy. God called us to be a holy generation. Listen to what Jeremiah or what the Lord says through Jeremiah in here. I just absolutely, when, when I read this, it just gets me. Jeremiah 2, 2. Go and proclaim in the hearing of Jerusalem, thus says the Lord. I remember the devotion of your youth, your love as a bride, how you followed me, how you followed me. This is God talking here, you know. You know, sometimes we think of God as, as the robot in the sky that just, you know, makes this decision and that decision and, and, and you know, is very, you know, non-emotional. But listen to what he says here. I remember the devotion of youth. God remembers. He remembers. He's, he's stating this with, a, with, a, with some angst and grief in his heart. I, I remember whenever my bride loved me. I remember whenever my church loved me. Then verse 5, he says, What wrong did your fathers find in me? You know, what, what fault? did we find in God that we, 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 we decide to turn away from him? They went after worthlessness and became worthless. That line right there just gets me every time. They went after worthlessness and became worthless. You know, I could have sat down after Nikki spoke because a lot of what she said resonates a lot with what I'm, I'm saying here this morning. You know, that... We, f- we focus so much on temporary things, material things. We focus so much on the newest this and the newest that. We focus so much on things that really, at the end of the day, are going to decay. 
You know, it's like what Pastor Bradley said really well last week. You know, he thought that buying the newest pair of Jordans, uh, or the, the, sorry, the retro Jordans would, would fulfill him. You know, he thought that, that buying those particular sneakers would, would make him hip. It, it would bring him back to the pinnacle of his existence in the 1980s, you know. And, <laughs> no, no I, I mean, he said it himself. I'm not roasting him or anything. He said it, not me. The point I'm making is that how many people live in that state of what Bradley is talking about, but don't have the self-awareness or the Holy Spirit in them to recognize that foolishness? But they live in this state of day after day, cycle after cycle, of continually wanting the newest thing and continually wanting more things and continually living in this cycle where there's more and more and more, and, and, but the things never satisfy. They never fill the void. They never fill what's on the inside. Because at the end of the day, folks, we were made for God, by God. We were made to love God and to live in his presence and to live in communion with him and to live in relationship with him. And how many of us have walked astray? I have. We all have. How many of us do not love God the way that we know we should love God? Notice where the hands are pointed. This message today is not condemnation, but it's an invitation. We need to love God more. Jesus said, Matthew 22, 37, someone said to him and said, Teacher, which of these is the greatest commandment? And he said, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. To love the Lord your God. To love God. What does it mean to love God? You know, we, we talked about this with the, with the youth and, and, and guys class this week. What does it really mean to love God? With your heart, with your desires. That's your desires. Many of us, myself included, we seek ambition. We seek prizes and material possessions above God. That's what we desire more. That's, that's where our thoughts go. That's where our affections go. That's where our desires go. We desire security. We desire to fit in. We desire, you know, to, to seek the approval of others in the culture over our desire to love God and obey what he's told us to. You know, what does it mean to love God with your soul? What does it mean to God lo- love God with your mind? What does it mean to love God with your strength? Simply put, you know, we could have a whole class, a whole discussion about this. But simply put, it means to love God with every fiber of your being, with everything that you are, everything that you've been created to be, everything that you have been, everything that you are in this present moment, that nothing comes above him and nothing comes above your relationship with him. Nothing comes above the commands that he's told us to live out. Nothing comes above what he's told us to do, right? But just as Bradley preached last week, Man, this hit me so hard. I heard it twice. I heard it once in church and once at, at camp. The devil can't kill you, but he will distract you. He will distract you. Let me say that again. This is Pastor Bradley's on. I've got to honor him. The devil will not kill you, but he will distract you. How many of us, you know, I'm not going to ask you all to raise your hands because you all will raise your hands. How many of us have been distracted by money? How many of us have been distracted by fame? Or not necessarily fame, but the approval of others. How many of us have been distracted by power? Maybe not power in the sense of climbing the corporate ladder, but wanting to have power over someone else's actions, desiring them to act in a way that you want them to act. How many of us have been distracted by sex, or pornography. 
How many of us have been distracted by convenience? I'm, I'm, I'm in a hurry. I'm in a hurry. I can't help that person. You know, I can't do this. I can't do that. I'm in a hurry. I got to keep my schedule. How many of us have been distracted by media? How many of us have been distracted by television, social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram? I have been distracted by those things. I've been distracted by social media this morning. I was like scrolling for like 15 minutes. I was like, what am I doing? What am I doing? You know, what am I doing? I could be praying. I could be praying for the message upcoming. I could be doing, you know, something. I could be, you know, doing anything, right? We get so distracted. And that's why the devil, how the devil gets in, right? Bradley said last week, if we saw the devil, if he showed up in this sanctuary right here, right now with, with a pitchfork and horns and, and was like, I'm going to get you all. You know, we'd, you know, I don't know, tie him up and take him out back and, you know, you know, I don't know, maybe, I don't know. But, <laughs> but that's not how he does it, right? That's not how he does it. The Bible describes the devil as a, lion, a prowling lion. And you might think, well, a lion's really loud, a lion's really big. But have you ever seen a lion hunt? It's very quiet and strategic in its hunt. It's getting up there, getting over until the moment to attack. And I wonder how many times we allow the lion to prowl and to strategize and to get in and to distract us until the moment comes, bam, gotcha, bam. Gotcha. And, and an important point I want to make on this is not that, not that distraction is inherently sin, but distraction very quickly and very easily and almost always leads to sin. What happens is the devil will distract us, distract us with, by worrying about money until we get to a point where, where we trust in the almighty dollar than the Alpha and the Omega, right? The, the devil would distract us to where we, we worry about the approval of others so much so that, that we find our identity in what they think, not what he thinks, not what God thinks, right? What happens is we get distracted to the point to where we lose our grip, we lose our touch, we lose our identity in who we are, in who we are. At the end of the day, we find ourselves a lot more like Israel than we think. I don't know about you all, but for those of us that have been in church for a long time and you read the Old Testament scriptures and you think, man, Israel was really stupid. Well, yeah, I don't know how many of you have ever read the Old Testament. You're like, Israel, they're really dumb. Like They've got everything they could ever want with God. How did they turn their backs on him? But we're a lot more like them than we think. We, we, we are a lot more like them than we think. In fact, we have, we have more than they have. They weren't covered by the blood. They weren't under the new covenant. They hadn't received the blessing and the honor and the forgiveness of Jesus Christ. They didn't have the Holy Spirit. And then they didn't have the, the, the blessing that we have of a church family. All they were was the Old Testament people of God trying to find their way, trying to make their way. And yes, God provided for them with fire by night and cloud by day. And yes, he provided for them with manna. And yes, he did all these great things for them. But they didn't have the Holy Spirit. They didn't have the new covenant. They weren't covered under the blood. And we're, we, we have all of those things. How much more blessed are we than Israel? Yet how much less do we love God? We judge Israel a lot. We say, they were really stupid. How could they, how could they not follow God after seeing all these crazy miracles and all this great stuff? But we're a lot more like them than we think. 
I want to read Jeremiah 2 again. But I want you to, rather than projecting onto Israel and saying how stupid Israel was, put yourself in the shoes of Israel. The word of the Lord came to me saying, Go and proclaim in the hearing of Jerusalem, thus says the Lord. I remember the devotion of your youth, your love as a bride, how you followed me in the wilderness in a land not sown. Israel was holy to the Lord. The church was holy to the Lord. I was holy to the Lord. The first fruits of his harvest, all who ate of it incurred guilt. Disaster came upon them. Hear the word of the Lord, O house of Jacob, and all the clans of the house of Israel. Thus says the Lord. What wrong did you find in me that you went far from me? And went after worthlessness and became worthless. They did not say, where is the Lord who brought us up from the land of Egypt? Who led us in the wilderness, in the land of deserts and pits, in the land of drought and deep darkness, in the land that none passes through where no man dwells? And I brought you into a plentiful land to enjoy its fruits, its good things. But when you came in, you defiled my land and made my heritage an abomination. Judgment begins at the house of God. And on this 4th of July, if we really care about America, we'll begin to look inward and say, do I love God? Not do I love God a little bit. Do I love God above everything? Do I love God above everything? You know, Francis Chan has a really great commentary on this passage, and he said, what broke the heart of God was not that they chose their sin. It was that they chose their sin over him. It's not that they sinned. It's that they chose their lifestyle of sin over a life with him. Like I said, we think of God as robotic, without feeling, without, without emotion. Where do you think our emotions come from? We're made in the image of God. How do you think God feels when he sees us continually walk and continually seek, as the scripture says, after worthlessness, becoming worthless? The reason that sin, the reason that sin grieves the heart of God is not because God is some parent in the sky that says, because I said so. The reason that sin grieves the heart of God is because sin hurts us. The reason that sin breaks the heart of God, the reason that God has to judge sin, the reason that God has to condemn sin is because sin hurts us. Because sin lowers our quality of life. Sin takes us out of the will of God where we need to be. Sin breaks down our life. Sin destroys families. Sin destroys homes. Sin destroys relationships and lives. I've seen it firsthand. Something I didn't list on this list, but should be maybe at the top of all of them, is drugs, substances. My cousin was taken at 24 years old because she overdosed. And that happens every single day. Every single day. But we don't really blink an eye about it. We have to ask ourselves, do we love God? Do we seek him above everything else? You know, and I'm not insinuating anybody in here is dealing coke or anything like that. But what I am saying is that we can be addicted to other things. We can be addicted to the pursuit of 
wealth and fame and fortune and ambition. We can be addicted to lust. We can be addicted to uh, media. We can be addicted to convenience. We can be addicted to the things of this life that weigh us down when all the while we forget that we've been given a mission to go into all the nations and to preach the gospel. This is another sermon for another time, but you've been given a mission, church. Like, we can't stay stagnant. We've been given a mission to go into a lost and dying world and preach the gospel. And the devil wants to distract us from that mission. He wants to keep us away from that mission by distracting us with these things, by distracting us, keeping us down, keeping us bogged down, diverting our attention, diverting our attention. So what we're going to do this morning is I'm going to open up these altars. I'm going to ask if, if uh, Hannah and Jesse will come up and we're going to, they're going to sing a song. Uh, but we're going to open up these altars. Before we do communion, you know, this is, this is why I said this is going to be similar to camp or a, a tent meeting. You know, a lot of times when we come up here for prayer in between, after song service, we're bringing our needs to God, which is great, which is great. I believe that God hears our needs and meets our needs in every single way, shape, or form. But all the while, sometimes we're bringing our needs to God. We forget to bring ourselves to God. We forget to bring ourselves to God. So what we're going to do is I'm going to open up these altars. There's a couple chairs over here, too, that we can use as well. Um, And I'm going to ask you this morning to really look inwardly, to really look on the inside. In fact, would everybody close their eyes and bow their heads? Maybe this morning as we were reading the word, you find yourself like Israel. You used to be so devoted to God. You used to be in love with God. You used to devote yourself to Him. But somewhere along the way, you got distracted. Somewhere along the way, the devil got, got to you and distracted you with the things of this world. The money, the approval of others, the, the, the convenience, the whatever it is, addiction, substances, pornography, whatever it is. Somewhere along the way, the devil has distracted you. Somewhere along the way, we've lost our calling, we've lost our purpose, we've lost our direction. We're like a ship in the night that is just floating with no destination. Well, I want to give you an opportunity this morning. We're going to give you an opportunity in this place this morning to surrender that to God. Right now where you're sitting, would you just begin to do that? Would you begin to surrender that thing to Him? Would you begin to surrender your whole life to Him? Would you begin to call out to Him this morning? Lord Jesus, we need you. We need you. Lord Jesus, I pray in these next few moments as we fill these altars, Lord, and as we commit ourselves to you again, Lord Jesus, that you would meet us where we are. Lord, we know that you are quick to forgive and mighty to save. God, I pray this morning that as we repent, Lord Jesus, that you would fill us with your Holy Spirit and draw us closer to you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.